Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? I am feeling a little more fantastic than I normally am. A little bit of a spring in my step, but I don't know why. Maybe it's because uh, there's a certain quarterback of a certain age that is no longer going to pursue NFL-related opportunities, at least on the field. I think I heard about that as well. And it's no, it's it's fun because the last few times we've done this show, big news has happened right afterwards. But for once, we have big news come out right before, of course, Tom Brady has retired. This, I, I, you know, as a Jets fan, this is a, a good feeling. It's, it's obviously a different feeling because we, we had the same feeling last year. And obviously that, that kind of didn't end up happening. But we could talk about what this means for the Jets going forward, what this means for Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr. I personally, I mean, I'm happy that Tom Brady's retired. I feel like I'm in a minority here, and I don't want to start off by alienating anybody. But I don't hate Tom Brady as much as I think a lot of Jets fans do. I really don't. He's tormented uh, the Jets over the years, and I sports dislike him for that. But as a person, I don't necessarily dislike him. Mike, what what is Tom Brady meant to you uh, in your Jets fandom, in your football-watching fandom? Well, let's kind of take you back to – my formative years as a Jets fan, which was kind of the end of Herm Edwards and the beginning of Eric Mangini. And honestly, looking back on it, that would be the time, honestly, where Tom Brady would have frustrated me the most because in his late 30s and early 40s, I mean, that was elite quarterback play on pretty much every level, just from a surgical perspective, the way that he was able to read the field, find guys in that advanced stage. So just from a guy who appreciates the game. It's really hard to hate that too much. But growing up, I mean, those were elite defenses, and there were a lot of, you know, 21-16 and 19-13 to games where he just barely kind of squeaked by before he got Randy Moss and really started tormenting us. I mean, that was the beginning of, can this guy please leave? Uh I don't want to get, honestly, too positive with some of the praise because I did that the last time. I had my whole, oh, Tom Brady means so much to the game, and he's a wonderful guy, which is true. But you know what? I'm kind of – I lost the sympathy a little bit. Is he had two chances to go out on top. Didn't take either. He could have gone out after 28-3. No one would have said a word. Legacy exactly the same. He could have gone out after the the, uh, first year without Belichick, winning it with Tampa. That would have been a storybook and ending. I mean, Peyton retired after winning a Super Bowl, but that was not a heroic performance. And instead, I mean, this is what you get. You lose to Desmond Ritter. You lose to Dak Prescott. You end up 8-9, and nine, which Brady had never been in his career as a starter. And then you get – I mean, he got humiliated in that Cowboys game. The Cowboys aren't particularly amazing, and they just bull rushed him. So I don't want to, like, dance on his grave too much, but at the same time, this guy did – ruined my childhood for <laughs> a large part of my childhood. So I can't be like, oh, you know what? Actually, it wasn't that bad. It's kind of hard to separate it with this individual particularly. Yeah, you you bring up a good point. I feel like I did the same thing or a similar thing last year when he retired of like, hey, man, you know, it, for as, as much as he's tormented the Jets, he's a fantastic quarterback. He doesn't seem like a bad guy from what we've seen. Uh, obviously, that maybe some people would disagree with that, but I, I gave him my share, my fair share of praise. I did put out an article on the Jeffers, which uh, I've now revisited on Twitter, where it was uh, Tom Brady, famed postseason or famed Mark Sanchez postseason victim, retires at 44. That was a fun article. Maybe I'll do something similar, but for the most part, it was praise. I, I agree with you, though, that 
he got his he got his praise last year. Like we don't need to run this back now. There's a lot more to talk about with with this offseason, you know, from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. The Tom Brady retirement news, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal this time because we've already seen it. Like it's 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 old, it's new news, but it's old news, you know. And I think what's a more interesting discussion is how the Tom Brady retirement affects the Jets, how it affects Aaron Rodgers' market, how it affects Derek Carr. Now there's one less quarterback that's on the move. There's one more team that's going to need a quarterback. So, Mike, how does Tom Brady retiring potentially affect the Jets and the markets of the other quarterbacks? Well, it all depends on Tampa's direction because they could go in one of two ways, two incredibly different ways, because they are in the weakest division, not only in the league by a mile. I mean, this is the weakest I can remember a division being. I mean, New Orleans... I would say, okay, they got some nice pieces, but again, no quarterback. Carolina, same thing, got some pieces. I like Frank Reich, no quarterback. Atlanta might have a quarterback in Desmond Ritter, and I like what Arthur Smith does. I don't know if they have any defense. So Tampa could just say, you know what? We still have all these stars. Mike Evans is still here. Chris Godwin is still here. Ryan Jensen's going to be back. We have some impact defensive players. If we just get a Garoppolo, a Carr, or even a Rodgers if they want to go really big, they could run away with that division. Now, at the same time, you look at the 2024 draft, there's Caleb Williams, who I don't know if he's in that Elway, Luck, Trevor Lawrence, unbelievable level where it's just, all right, we're going to take him and then 10 years, kaboom. But he's close. And then Drake May is also pretty close. That's as good of a QB2 as you're going to find. So there's also the option, you know what, let's just go bottom out Let's go draft a quarterback. Well, let's just start Kyle Trask. If he's great, he's great. If not, whatever. Let's get a new guy. So I think it all really depends on what Jason Light wants to do. Yeah, and I think as far as Rodgers is concerned, too, I've seen people float around this on Twitter. It makes a lot of sense that this makes him a lot less likely to retire, in my opinion. Um, knowing Aaron Rodgers, I think it's just – I don't think he'd want to retire in the same offseason as Tom Brady. I don't think he'd really want that news overshadowed. I don't think that Brady Rodgers wants to be the second most famous quarterback to retire this offseason. Uh, now, maybe that's speculation, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I know it's it seems like he's kind of you know half in, half out this year. I think it's a lot less likely. Like Brady retiring, I think it makes a lot less likely that Rodgers would decide to retire. Um, and I also don't think the Bucks would be contenders for Rodgers because it seems pretty clear that the Rodgers, the, the Packers don't want to trade him within the NFC. That's been reported. I don't think they would do it. I don't think Rodgers would go to the Bucks. Um, as far as like maybe the Raiders, like that could still make sense, but they also they could go after someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, the Raiders were a team that were reportedly eyeing Tom Brady if he were, if he stayed, but Garoppolo makes a ton of sense there because of McDaniel's connection. Either way, I think the Brady news is honestly good for the Jets because I, I just think it makes it less makes it less likely that Rogers retires. And and I don't think the Bucs are gonna be in play for him anyway. So that's that's where I think this this Brady news really impacts the Jets. Well, you say less likely that he retires. I'm really not so sure because I'm watching this Pat McAfee interview. Now, I'm not saying I'm some hero for seeking out Pat McAfee. I think he does a fine show, but that's really the only source where you're going to get uh, Aaron Rodgers unfiltered or Aaron Rodgers as he is. And he said all the right things, you know, praising a lot of the coaches he's worked with, like Tom Clements, praising Nathaniel Hackett, who was hired as offensive coordinator of the Jets. We called it football malpractice two weeks ago. I still do believe that because he was horrendous in Denver. But Aaron Rodgers likes him. 
Now, on one hand, you'd say, oh, that's great because he's talking up the coordinator of the Jets. He's trying to facilitate some sort of move. Looking back on it, that whole interview was full of, oh, maybe I will. I'm going to take some time. He had a quote where he said, you know, the next few weeks are all about these two great teams in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs and the Eagles. That, to me, doesn't seem like a guy who's really urgently trying to figure out where he wants to go. Like Derek Carr wants to leave the Raiders like now, like within the hour. Aaron Rodgers is willing to take time. The problem then being, of course, now the Raiders could cut Carr, but if they want to trade him, that February deadline, that February 15th deadline is coming up fast. So the Jets, I don't really think, can afford to just, you know, let Aaron Rodgers dictate the pace of the offseason. I think they need to go get a guy right now. Now, in a way that's sort of like almost gambling, because you're saying I could either take the safer option with a lower ceiling in car or, you know, push my luck. Hope I don't get a whammy and land up with Aaron Rodgers. But at this point, I'm, I'm moving more towards the car camp. Now, I know that he was a pro bowler last year, but again, Tyler Huntley's a pro bowler. The FC's just running out of guys to name. He didn't have his best year yesterday. We've gone over that in detail in past podcasts. This guy is still a high-end quarterback. He's not going to cost a ton to bring in in terms of draft capital comparative to other quarterbacks of his level and his salary. He's still got a good downfield arm. He never gets hurt. He's only going to be 32, which is old, but it's not 40, which Aaron Rodgers is. The the car camp is looking a lot more enticing to me if I were a Jets fan over these last few days. Yeah, it's a fair point, and I don't fully disagree with you. And I'm I'm much more in the camp of like, I'd be happy with either or. I'd be happy with Derek Carr. I'd be happy with Aaron Rodgers. I think I still have Rodgers. I forget if I said last week on the stream if who was my one A or one B. I think I still have Rodgers as my preferred option because I think if you're going to swing for defenses, swing for defenses. I like Derek Carr. He's a good quarterback. He has been an average to slightly above average quarterback for the majority of his career. But you get a lot more of those flashes from Aaron Rodgers, and we still saw it last year. I know he, he, you know, he had the most interceptions, I think, of any year in his career. He's still a damn good quarterback, and he still has damn good games. He can win you a lot more games by himself than what Derek Carr can. That's not to say Derek Carr can't do it because he can. He's very volatile. He has those great games. He has those poor games. I hate the whole, like, as a side note, the whole can Derek Carr outduel Patrick Mahomes debate? One, who can outduel Patrick Mahomes? Two, Joe Burrow couldn't. Josh Allen couldn't. Right. We just saw Josh Allen put up 10 points in a playoff game, right? And like, it's, it's not like you can have a, a fantastic quarterback and that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Uh, Derek Carr put up 29 against the Chiefs and lost by one point this year, you know? He's had some really great games. He does. He's Derek Carr. But at the same time, I think Rodgers, if the Jets want to swing for the fences, if they want to say, look, we have a roster right now that we think can compete for a Super Bowl, because if you trade for Aaron Rodgers, that's what you're saying. You're not trading for Aaron Rodgers to to compete for a wild card spot. You're not competing or you're not trading for Aaron Rodgers to be like, all right, we'll get into the wild card round. Maybe we'll win a playoff game and that's it. That's not why you're trading for Aaron Rodgers. That's why you're trading for Derek Carr. You're trading for Derek Carr to stabilize the roster. But if the Jets think that they have a roster that can compete for a championship right now, you know, as long as you make a couple of adjustments, you're not only getting quarterback in here, you fix the offensive line a little bit. You maybe add a safety linebacker, whatever. If you think you have that roster, then you go out and get Aaron Rodgers. Well, you also want to get Derek Carr for the longevity factor. Like, if I told you right now that Derek Carr has, let me say, six seasons, which would take him till he's 38, of play at the level he's been at the last few years or at least slightly below it, that's still high-end quarterback play in this league. Like, there's not that many just amazing quarterbacks out there. 
the the best case scenario. How many years does Rodgers have left? Three. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's optimistic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he might leave after one. You might trade end up trading multiple first round picks for one year of Aaron Rodgers. And how often have the Jets been in this quarterback hell, this quarterback purgatory? Or it's just constantly finding guys, signing Josh McCown for a year, stopgap guys. I'm tired of that, quite frankly. I want some sort of stability. Like I know the AFC is going to be tough for God knows how long because Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Lamar, they're not going away. I get all that. At the same time, that's an argument for Derek Carr because you can't just be cycling quarterbacks in year after year. So if Rodgers leaves after two years, irrespective of the success he has, like I don't, unless he wins a Super Bowl, fine. Let's say he doesn't, and he leaves after two years, right back where we started, albeit with a more expensive roster because Sauce and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and potentially whomever they draft this year, they're all going to have new extensions waiting for him. Sure, I, I think it's just like I think I talked about this last week too with with Derek Carr, right? I'm not confident that you're going to get six years of this level play out of Derek Carr. First of all, I, like, I've, I've been a defender of Derek Carr for a while, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment and say that he was a below average quarterback this past year. And you can make excuses for why it was. I think he was a very poor fit for the Josh McDaniel system. I don't think McDaniel's ever really bought into Carr as a quarterback. His offensive line is really, really bad. His defenses have always been terrible. We've talked about that a lot. But he was a below average quarterback this year. And I'd also say that apart from the elite tier of quarterbacks, there's not necessarily a great track record of average to above average quarterbacks aging well and, and still playing at that same level, 35, 36 years old. So I think with Carr, you might not have those six years. And honestly, if you trade for Derek Carr, I don't want the Jets to have Derek Carr for six years as their starting quarterback. This is what I talked about last week, is if you trade for Derek Carr, the entire point of that is you're stabilizing this current regime. You're stabilizing the roster. You're hoping that Carr can get you to the playoffs, keep everybody's jobs, and basically make you a competent football team with a competent quarterback. Then you kind of can go the 49ers route where they had Jimmy Garoppolo and they traded up to get Trey Lance and you get your guy of the future to develop behind Derek Carr, unless that player is Zach Wilson, which I don't think it will be. Maybe the Jets do. I don't think it will. <laughs> Almost be. certainly not. <laughs> right. I, I think maybe he's on the roster this year and they're hoping that, but I don't think he's the guy that they're going to try and develop also because he's already going to go into year three this year. So that rookie contract's running out. But I think that, is is what you're hoping for with Derek Carr. I don't hope that he's the quarterback for six years that they trade for Derek Carr because I don't think Derek Carr in six years is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. But I hope that they would get Derek Carr, develop someone behind him. So either way, I think Carr and Rodgers aren't necessarily long-term options, although Carr is a longer-term option. I think the ceiling of Rodgers in the short term makes him more appealing to me. Well, i got two points to go off of that, and I would say I'm going to phrase them as questions to you. Number one, you brought up well, there's not really a great track record of car-level quarterbacks aging gracefully. Was well, there really one for 40-year-old quarterbacks of, of any level outside of Brady? And Drew Brees kind of, even though his arm was shot? So I think with Rodgers, it's it's almost like a six and one half a dozen the other kind of thing because there's all these questions about aging. And number two, doesn't a lot of the car criticisms, don't they sound a lot like what people said about Matthew Stafford for those last few years in Detroit? Or Matthew Stafford, and I'm not saying Carr is as good as Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford has been better over his career and probably is better now when he's healthy. But Matthew Stafford was getting screwed by bad coaching, an iffy offensive line, never had a defense. And then they go to the Rams and, oh, this certainly, I'm not saying the Jets roster is as good as the Rams, 
But oh, there's no way the Rams are going to go immediately to the Super Bowl. Well, they did. So I mean, it's possible if you just get a guy in the right situation with the right players around him and he hits a groove. Yeah, you you would be like, there's red flags with Rodgers. Let me make that very clear. There's red flags with both of these guys, but there's very obvious red flags with Aaron Rodgers. He's 39 years old, coming off one of the worst seasons of his career. <laughs> on top of the fact that there's no there's no roster certainty beyond year one. Like I completely understand that. That's why for I, year zero, we don't know if he's going to play. Well, he say obviously, now. <laughs> obviously, you're not trading for him unless you know he's playing this year. And that's the other <laughs> thing is that whatever you're giving up. Uh, we talked about potential trade compensation last week as well. You're not giving up two first-round picks, just undisputed. Like, you're not going two first-round picks in on Aaron Rodgers. If that's what it costs, you're not trading for Aaron Rodgers. If you are giving up a first-round pick, I'd like it to be a conditional pick. If it's going to take your 2023 first-round pick and and maybe a conditional second in 2024, I don't want to do the trade. I, I don't want to give up a first-round pick without knowing that he's on the roster for two years. If he's on the roster for one year, I don't think that's worth that's worth a first-round pick. So I, I, I think you need to have some level of certainty. And if he is going to only be on the roster for one year, you need to know you're not giving up a significant amount of dra- draft capital because then you might need those draft picks to either draft the quarterback or trade for one. You know, you might need those picks to get your next quarterback if Rodgers is only here for one year, which totally could be possible. I think he comes back. I, I'd be very, very surprised at this stage if he retires uh, this offseason. I think he's going to be back in 2023. We'll see how he plays. I think that will determine a lot of one. It'll be determining on where where he goes and how he plays. That will determine whether he's back in 2024 because I truly think he is one foot you know out the door right now and he's looking at retirement. But you need to have some kind of certainty uh, if you're going to give up that kind of draft capital. And if not, then just then just don't trade for him. And then you go to Derek Carr if that's what the asking price is. Then you go to Derek Carr. I, I do want to agree with you though from what you said before about the the time constraints of the whole Derek Carr situation. Because Derek Carr, like you mentioned, I believe it's 40-point-something million uh, of his contract becomes guaranteed on February 15th. So the Raiders have to make a decision before then. They have to either cut him or they have to trade him before February 15th. There's been reports coming out every day, seemingly, about what they're to do. I think the latest one was that Carr doesn't want to be traded or Carr doesn't want to be released because of the optics of it. I don't know how true that is. Um, who knows how true that is? I want to bring up another interesting wrinkle in that plan Derek Carr like you mentioned before was named the Pro Bowl this year along with Tyler Huntley you know famous NFL legend Tyler Huntley Zach Wilson had more touchdowns than Tyler Huntley this year what was that Zach Wilson had more touchdown passes than Tyler Huntley Zach you know why are we not on the Zach Wilson for Pro Bowl campaign what is going on I mean it was a and Zach Wilson went four and one Tyler Huntley I didn't I didn't see doing that Jack Wilson had a winning record man that he should be in all, you know, winning record with this Jets team. He should be, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Honestly. For new <laughs> listeners, if you can't just sense the the dripping sarcasm <laughs> from either of these statements. Oh, yeah, definitely very rooted, heavily rooted in sarcasm there. But um, no, but but Derek Carr is going to the Pro Bowl. What's interesting about that? Pro Bowl happens on February fifth. If for some reason, and I know it's not the same Pro Bowl as it's been, it's more basically a skills competition now. But if somehow Derek Carr were to get hurt in the Pro Bowl, right, which I know is unlikely, but if hey, it were to happen, Robert Edwards with the Patriots, they were playing sure. beach volleyball and he blew out exactly. his knee. Yeah, you never know what could happen. If he were to get hurt, the Raiders are on there; they're on the hook for that money. <laughs> so I would not be shocked if the Raiders are determined to get something done before February fifth, which is in four days at the time of recording right now. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think. That process is really speeding up, whether it's the February 15th deadline, whether it's been pushed up to February 5th because of the Pro Bowl thing. 
it's it's a really difficult situation to navigate. And I, I, like you said before, I'm not sure you're going to have a resolution on Aaron Rodgers by by the 15th. You probably won't have it by the 5th. So that is something to consider. I, I agree with you there. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, one thing that I will, no matter who the Jets add, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew, you bring Ken O'Brien out of retirement, no matter what happens, it's going to have an impact on one Mike White, who was viewed as the savior after throwing three touchdowns against a Bears team that I'm not even sure was really trying in that game. There were, I don't know how many defensive play calls they had. It looked like they ran the same three plays over and over again. And then Mike White proceeded to throw uh, zero touchdowns after that. In his Jets career, he has started, I believe, seven games, counting last year and this year. He has thrown eight touchdowns, six of which came in two games, the famous win over the Bengals, in which no one had any film on him, so you didn't know what to expect. And the Bears team this year, which I mean, you and I could have at least thrown for, what, two touchdowns in that game? I mean, Eddie Jackson got hurt and fell down the middle of the field. Garrett Wilson ran for a touchdown. So... I, definitely the bloom is off the rose a little bit with Mike White, who I always thought was kind of a puzzling fit because the Shanahan offense, the Mike LaFleur offense, they had Zach Wilson moving around a lot. They have a lot of their quarterbacks do a lot of bootlegs, a lot of throwing on the run. Mike White, great guy. I like him. Accurate thrower. I, my mother could tie him in a race, I think, right now. <laughs> so White, who is a free agent, at the very least this year secured himself – generational wealth because he's going to get five or six years of backup quarterback contracts. But I really just don't see a place for Mike white on the jets in 2023, because I don't really think Zach Wilson is going to get traded because, because they're already on the hook for a salary. So they're really not getting anything out of that other than just, you know, cutting this, this malignancy away from the team. I think Mike White is at least going to get a good backup job. I just can't see him back with the Jets. I think he's an odd fit for the system. And I think that, like, if Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr goes down and Mike White comes in, are you confident that this team is going to really do anything? Like, he's better than Zach Wilson, but I think that kind of changed our whole view of what Mike White is as a quarterback. Yeah, you bring up some fair points. I'll say that if the Jets go into 2023 with Zach Wilson as their primary backup quarterback, that is a massive mistake. Like they they have messed up the offseason. They've done something wrong. Zach Wilson cannot be the primary backup going to 2023. Uh, he's proven and shown nothing that he can be that guy that if a starting quarterback goes down, he can come in and at least play competent football because he can't. Like we've seen none of that from Zach Wilson. At best, Zach Wilson should be third string. He should be a guy that they're just trying to develop, trying to salvage. I believe there was the report that Woody Johnson still believes Zach Wilson could be salvaged. If he does, Cool. You don't have to trade him. You can keep him. Of course, course Woody believes that. Right. I don't know how true it is, but also totally believable. Uh, so I, I 
think that Zach Wilson should be nowhere near the backup job. Like you need to get a competent backup in here. Mike White is a competent backup. I'd be extremely happy if Mike White was the Jets backup quarterback in, in 2023. He's a very, very capable backup quarterback and somebody that, you know, I, I, th- I think the stats are a little misleading. I genuinely do believe that Mike White has the potential to be a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't know if he'll ever be a good quarterback in the NFL, but I think he could be a starting quarterback. I don't think he's done nearly enough to prove that he deserves that opportunity right now, but I would love to see him get that opportunity in the future. It won't be with the Jets, nor should it be with the Jets, but I do think that I saw enough to show that. Now, obviously, the biggest concern is like durability, mobility. Those are definite red flags, but as a pure thrower of the ball, I think he's a pretty solid player and someone I'd love to have as a backup. The big question is money, because if you're if you're paying for Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, it's a lot to have that salary, have Zach Wilson's salary, which is not cheap, especially if he's a third stringer. It's not a cheap salary. And somebody like Mike White, who might, you know, get like five, six million on the open market. That's a lot of money to have. So that's really the only the only question to me, because I think from a talent perspective, absolutely I would love to have Mike White as the backup, but the finances are concerning. Does the the fit in the scheme bother you at all? Because it did feel like Mike White, they didn't, in my opinion, run like the most expansive set of plays for Mike White. Like I think they ran more for Zach Wilson than they did for Zach Wilson. But I feel like if Mike White had at least like I don't know, like a four eight forty and a little bit more wiggle, I feel like that kind of freed him up a bit. Well, it's I a different just feel scheme like too- anyway. It's a different scheme now anyway because you're you know brought well, in. Well, is it really? Because I mean, Hackett's going to run a lot of things that are very close to. That. I mean, it's the same coaching tree. Yes, but, but fundamentally, it's the same. But it's not like like it's not like Green Bay. Uh, if you're bringing in Rogers or Carr, that either of them are necessary. Especially Rogers at 39, neither of them are the most mobile guys either. Like they're not running, they're not running four six forties. You know, at, at this stage, uh, so I don't think either of them necessarily fit that mold of like the super mobile. You know, not even super mobile, just an, a guy who who has escapability. Like that's Rogers. Obviously, in his prime, could do that. But at 39, I'm not sure. I don't even know if I. I don't want to see him do that at 39. Uh, just to avoid injury and cars never really... off a thumb problem he had all year, like God knows, right? And he's had shoulder issues in the past. Like I, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers do that. Uh, so I, I'm not really concerned about the scheme fit. I think he's a good, a good quarterback uh, who would be a high end backup. I know. Flashback to a few years ago, and I know Jets fans would love to forget this, but that's what we said about Joe Flacco when the Jets first got. We're like, hey, he's a high end backup. It's funny that that narrative, you know, quickly faded. But that was the the narrative at, at a point. Uh, but I do genuinely believe that about Mike White. It's just to me, if you could fit him under the cap, if you can make that work, you do it. But if not, maybe you go for someone cheaper. But I don't want no matter the scenario. I don't think there should be a scenario where Zach Wilson is is QB two. If Zach Wilson's QB two, they made a mistake. I wonder if it's a locker room thing too. Like we've seen a lot of backup quarterbacks just stick with a particular team for a very long time. I mean, the Bills for pretty much 20 years had either Frank Reich or Alex Van Pelt. Now it's Matt Barkley. Excuse me? (laughs) Now it's Matt Barkley. Oh, yeah, now it's Matt Barkley. (laughs) Or uh, the Steelers with Charlie Batch. I remember had him for a very long time behind uh, Ben Roethlisberger and a host of others. Charlie Whitehurst with uh, Seattle. Charlie Whitehurst, yep, or even Tavares Jackson, rest in peace, for a very long time behind uh, Russell Wilson. So – there, it, maybe there is something to just because the locker room clearly likes Mike White. Uh, I think they maybe were a little overboard when Zach Wilson got benched. They're like, no, no, we really like Mike White. Like, you guys don't even understand how much we like Mike White. <laughs> I thought that was kind of for Zach morbidly kind of funny, for lack of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But I think White's going to command a good amount of money. But but you know what? He's an okay backup. 
He's an okay backup. I mean, I think there are better there are better ones out there. And I liked Mike White pre-draft. I believe I had him QB7 when he came out because that was the Darnold year. And everybody had their top five in whatever order it was. I believe I had Baker, Rosen, one, two, which was not nice. my, my, not my finest hour. I had Baker, Rosen, Lamar, three, Darnold, four, Allen, five, followed by everybody pretty much had Mason Rudolph, six, and then it was God only knows from after that. But I remember Mike White at Western Kentucky. Big, strong guy, good deep arm, processes quickly. I mean, it, it's what you want out of a backup. I just think there are better options out there, personally. Like, I think personally, maybe like a Gardner Minshewy guy. I think Jacoby Brissett's a free agent. I think you should try and at least make a run at those guys. And then mm-hmm. if all else fails, you have a known quantity that everybody likes and has performed, I would say, okay, given the, the totality of the circumstances around him. Sure. And again, it all just comes down to dollars for me. Like Minshew and Brissett are both excellent backup quarterbacks. I'd be happy with either of them as backup as well. Uh, it just depends on what what they're asking for. You know, what what the what the price tag is on, on all of them. Brissett just had a really good year in Cleveland. And I, I know a lot of people haven't really talked about it as much, but he was good. Like, he was a genuinely good starting quarterback this year. Not like better that. than Deshaun Watson was. Oh, significantly better. <laughs> Watson was terrible when we saw him play. Uh, so I, I think that Brissett could get should get more than Mike White on the open market. Minshew, I think that's a fair comparison for for what we're realistically expecting both of them to get. Um, either one I'd be happy with, but you do bring up a good point. You do mention that the locker room does really like Mike White, and they really do. They they love Mike White. That's that's not phony at all. No, yeah, it's not. And so if, if that that could play a factor, one in Mike White returning, maybe he, you know, if he has similar offers from the Jets or elsewhere, maybe he does want to return to the Jets, especially if like say the Jets go out there and they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and then you bring back Mike White as the backup. I think it's a good spot for Mike White. One, because you don't know if Rodgers is going to remain healthy the entire year. And two, we don't know if Rodgers is going to stay on the team past this year. So that's potentially an opportunity for Mike White to maybe take over to start a job. Like this, I'm talking from his perspective, right? What would be the best landing spot for him? Uh, and if the tiebreaker comes down to locker room and it comes down to to familiarity with the team, with the coaching staff, the Jets should get that tiebreaker. So I, I would like to see Mike White back in next next year. It comes down to money, but I think he's a I think he's a good backup quarterback. I don't think he's and, okay. And he's one of the few uh, Adam Gase holdovers who is still on he the is, team. Yes, that's right. With I mean, uh, people with forget Williams. this too. The, Mike White is only on the team. The, the, the Jets don't look at Mike White and think this guy is going to be this. He was signed as filler because yeah. that was the Darnold Mono year. Trevor Sigmund gets hurt after like yep. a quarter of Monday Night Football. Luke Falk. Who boy did he make me swear off uh, air raid quarterbacks? Because I thought Luke Falk was actually going to be gonna be okay and then he was the farthest thing from okay sorry luke if you're watching but i mean you were in those games you know <laughs> you, you i love how you can go the domino effect of sam Darnold getting mono to mike white like the bengals game like mike white being in the hall of fame like he's he has a spot in the hall of fame like that that game is like enshrined in the hall of fame so i think that that's pretty funny that you can as i hit my microphone uh i think you can you can like put the domino effect of like Sam Donald getting mono, Trevor Simeon breaking his ankle in the first quarter, whatever it was, to Mike White going to Hall of Fame. And nearly imagine if he had led the Jets to the play. Like imagine he doesn't get hurt and he actually somehow leads the Jets to the playoffs this year. The domino effect of Sam Donald getting mono to the Jets breaking their playoff drought. I think that would have been really funny. <laughs> I mean, there's also a through line too of makes the Trevor Lawrence move even more, even hurt more because I mean that, that was the beginning of, okay, this something's, something's wrong here. 
Oh, you give me a great idea of, of uh, I think others have done, I'm sure others, I think NYJ Matt has done this, but like alternate Jets alternate history or something like that. Uh, <laughs> something along those lines where we just take one moment and like it doesn't happen or it, so take one thing and it, you know, change the the history of it a little bit. And now how does that unravel? I think that's, we could do that in the, in the, in the summer. I think it like Marvel, the Jets, uh, the Jets cinematic universe. Yes. The JCU, the, J- <laughs> the JCU. it's a lot better than jc penny uh which doesn't make any sense Uh, (laughs) we could do that i'm excited to do that you had it at jcu and then you ruined a good thing and uh. (laughs) oh god i'm excited for the potential jcu but you know what else i'm excited about mike i'm excited if you say the senior bowl (laughs) i'm excited that we finally get the talk draft i really am excited that we get the talk draft because Uh, justin will be performing at the comedy store in la in two weeks (laughs) dude i i would I would no, I'd be terrible as a stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedy is awesome, um, but no, no, um, I'm very excited we can talk draft. Legitimately, it's I have not dove in the draft content nearly as much as I would like to, but over the last like two weeks, I've, I've dove in a lot more because the Senior Bowl is coming up. So we got to talk some Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl is happening right now. The practices are going on right now. There's not as much hype around the Jets in the draft this year as there has been in the past, which is a good thing. That should be a good thing. Um, but Mike. We'll start with you. We're going to you know, go back and forth and name some players that we're, we're looking at this, this draft season at the Senior Bowl. Who is somebody that has caught your eye maybe in the, you know, before the Senior Bowl or at the Senior Bowl? Who's someone you're looking at? Well, I got three guys firmly under the microscope, all positions of need, one of which you actually hinted at earlier, a quarterback of the future they could develop, maybe a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick. For those that don't know, right now the way the draft is shaping up, it looks like there's kind of a set – top three of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis from Alabama, Ohio State, and Kentucky. And those are pretty much mix and match in whatever order that your scouting scale deems them. Anthony Richardson is pretty much the consensus. Quarterback four right behind him. Horrible accuracy right now, but super strong, great arm, great runner. Actually went through reads fairly well. He's not just like get it and throw it like Matt Corral was last year in that fake-ass Ole Miss Baylor offense that is not that's not real football <laughs> would you have a personal vendetta there well it's it's very it just I was scarred by Bryce Petty and there's a lot of oh, there's yeah. a lot of Baylor offense all over that old Miss I mean it works great but <laughs> it could make, I, I get make it. Bryce Petty and then getting back to these quarterbacks after that there's really not a whole lot that's certain there's Hendon Hooker who put up a billion yards this year at Tennessee but he's also 25 and is coming off an ACL injury there's Tanner McKee, who a lot of the scouts love, but is also the latest iteration of big, tall, white Stanford guy who didn't put up amazing numbers and won, what, eight games in the last two years or seven games in the last two years? And then beyond that, it's kind of a mix and match of, you know, take your pick, guys. A couple of them are at the Senior Bowl this year, one of them being Fresno State quarterback Jake Ayner. Now, he's not the biggest guy. I'll give you that. Six foot one a little over 200 pounds, and I think he was bulking to get to a little over 200 pounds. So he's not the biggest guy out there. At the same time, let's just look at his college numbers. 2021, after transferring from Washington, he goes to Fresno State, 67% completion, 4,096 yards, 33 touchdowns, nine picks, with Kalen DeBoer as his head coach. He then goes to, DeBoer does, to Washington. Hainer goes with him at the last second, Back to Fresno State, Jeff Tedford, who developed Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Jared Goff, kind of a legendary quarterback guy, gets his hands on him. 
72% completion, just under 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. For a guy that little who played in the Mountain West, I know Jets fans don't like the Mountain West right now because of Zach Wilson and another little guy. I get it. Jake Hayner played in a more in an offense and on a team that I think is more conducive to NFL success than Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson had grown ass men who were 26 blocking 19 year olds and everybody was running open 20 yards down the field. Hayner didn't do that. And he still showed off an NFL arm, NFL accuracy, NFL playmaking out of structure. And unlike Zach Wilson, I really like his pocket mobility because Zach Wilson would just bail and run and throw. Hayner will stay in. He'll make a couple moves. He's not going to be this good, but it's a little Burrow-esque. And just one little shift to the left, one little step up, and then flick it. There's a lot to like about Hayner, and all the reports are saying he may be the most impressive one of the quarterbacks who were throwing there. So if you want one guy to target with your probably third to fifth round pick, a lot of good things to like about Jake Hayner, especially in this Jets offense. Yeah, bringing up quarterback is interesting. Like I, I haven't really looked too much at the the quarterbacks in this year's class just because I'm fairly confident the Jets aren't drafting one at least high. But drafting one in the mid-rounds does make some sense. I will say that if you have Zach Wilson on the roster, I don't want to draft the quarterback because I don't think Zach Wilson should be QB2, like I said, and you're not going to carry four quarterbacks, in my opinion. Uh, so you're going to have you know whoever your starter is hopefully a competent backup, whether it's Mike White or any of the guys we just discussed, and then Zach Wilson. If you do trade Zach Wilson, though, 100%, totally on board, take a mid-round swing. You know, you're gonna, sometimes you'll get a James Morgan. Sometimes you'll get a Jalen Hurts, you know? So I, I'm totally fine taking that mid-round swing if Zach Wilson is traded. If not, you know, then then I, I'm saying probably, probably don't take a quarterback. One guy that I'm eyeing, I, I think that everyone knows the Jets need to address the offensive line this this offseason that is probably other than quarterback that's going to be the biggest point of emphasis and it sucks that we keep saying that it sucks that joe douglas came in and was like you know offensive line's priority and here we are in 2023 and we're still saying that that's a big priority but i think that a lot of people have the jets going offensive line uh in round one now some people might say tackle one guy who i'm looking at is osiris torrance out of florida who's a guard uh and this he makes a ton of sense if your plan is to have elijah vera tucker be your long-term right guard. If you saw what you if, if the Jets saw Elijah Tucker last year play right tackle and they were, I was impressed. And if they were impressed, and if they think he has a future at right tackle, then you could move him to 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 right tackle and he can be your right tackle going forward. On top of that, you could potentially move Osiris Torrance uh over to left guard and move Vera Tucker to left guard after you move on from Lincoln Tomlinson past 2023, assuming they do, if he has another disappointing year. So you have flexibility there. Osiris Torrance, six four, three. 37, 335, whatever he is, uh, just a mauler of, of a guard, which I know in the past the Jets have kind of emphasized more athletic offensive linemen. But I think bringing in Keith Carter uh, as the offensive line coach from Tennessee, it makes a lot more sense to go a bit more power run this year, which we we haven't really seen from the Jets in a while. It's it's you know it, it's been years since they've done that, uh, and I think Osiris Torres fits that mold very well. He's a little bit of a work in progress as a pass protector, but he didn't allow a sack this past year. Heck of a run blocker. Could be a first-round pick. Uh, honestly, if he improves his stock, I could see him going as high as 13. I, I really do. I think he can go 13 to the Jets. He's, he's clearly like, the top guard in the class and what's a very weak guard class. So unless Peter Skaronsky, who's a tackle for Northwestern, moves to guard because he's got some shorter arms. If that doesn't happen, 
I think it's Torrance and the rest of the field for the interior yeah. offensive line. I, I completely agree. So if they're going to go guard in the first round and their plan isn't to move Peter Skorotsky to guard, Osiris Torrance makes a ton of sense, especially if you want Elijah Vera Tucker at right tackle. So that's someone for me. That's who I'm looking at right now at the senior bowl. Now, Andy in chat says the guard and center should be our first two picks. I don't know about two interior linemen, but I think if they go the first two rounds without one lineman at any position, I think that's a failure. I don't know if you need to go that heavy, but I definitely agree with the sentiment. Now, if you want a tackle, boy, do I have a tackle for you. For all the guys that like Makai Becton, you are going to love perhaps the star of the senior ball so far, Dewan Jones, a guy who played right tackle at Ohio State and a guy who might go in the top 15 with his teammate, Paris Johnson, who many regard Paris Johnson as the best tackle in this draft. Let's just look at Dewan Jones' measurements because these are unbelievable what I'm about to read. Six foot eight, 360 pounds. So immediately, that, that doesn't impress you? You've heard that before, Makai Becton? How about an 89 and a half inch wingspan, which it would be the normal wingspan of somebody who is seven foot five? And Dewan Jones is six foot eight. So if you're just drafting for traits, and you're just drafting for physicality, I mean, you might find a lineman better in the next three years than Dewan Jones in terms of what he has to work with. Now, when you draft a guy that big, like the Ravens did with Daniel Falele a couple years ago, I'm, forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, or Jordan Mailata for the Eagles way back when in 2018, there's going to be some concerns about how he's going to handle speed at the NFL level. It's just, it's just natural. When you're that big... Guys are going to try to speed around you, and there were some mixed results. He was good, but not as good as Paris Johnson. And I think playing alongside each other, you kind of saw that the difference between those two was obvious, in my opinion. At the same time, absolute mauler. No way you're going to bull rush this guy. And he's a fantastic athlete. He was a great basketball player in in high school. So not just, you know, getting rebounds, he's a big guy throwing it back in. I mean, spinning and dunking and passing. I think that's relevant to NFL success. I think this guy's mobility for a guy that big, I think it's better than Makai Becton's. Yeah, like you said, Dewan Jones has pretty much stolen the show at the senior role. He has been like the guy that everyone's talking about. I had him on my list before this. Uh, before we, we discussed very briefly, very briefly before the show started, who we had, and I was like, "Damn, I got to take Dewan Jones off." Because how could you not? I mean, one, you can't miss him. Like you mentioned, he is six eight three seventy or whatever he is. He has the largest link wingspan in the senior bowl history. The dude is absolutely massive. And, and he's very really not a lot of bad body weight. It's not like he's got a huge gut going. I mean that is that's not fat. That is muscle. Yeah. He is a tank. He's very reminiscent of Daniel Falele, who you mentioned last year. I, I do think that he's Juwan Jones is going to go higher than Falele. Falele went in the fourth round to the Ravens. I, I think Jones right now is solidifying himself as a top 50 pick. There's going to be first-round rumors, uh, especially as we get close, closer to the draft. He's someone I, I would hate him at 13. On. I would not hate him at 13. Because a lot of the guys, too, you got to switch him over. He's a natural right tackle. 13 is rich for me right now, but I understand the sentiment and I love the hype train. I really, I really do. I don't know. Uh, I, mm. it's, it's a little rich for me now. I just think he's not there technically yet for me to want to take him 13. I think if the Jets are taking someone at 13, I want him to be able to kind of, that's why I'm like less on the Broderick Jones chain, tra- uh, train. I want a tackle to come in and just be a rock solid player from day one. I don't want to have to develop another tackle, especially because there's uncertainty probably at that other spot. Uh, but love Dewan Jones' potential. The dude is absolutely massive, and 
I don't think it's going to happen. But, man, if you somehow go into 2023 with your starting tackles as Makai Becton and Dewan Jones, that's the most intimidating tackle duo in the NFL. You You're are going to have to draft Tanner McKee. No one else will see over the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Legitimately. Uh, they are just two massive human beings. So I love Dewan Jones. He was on my list before this. I'll keep it with the trenches as well for my second pick. I'm going to shift over to defense, though. I'm going to go Keanu Benton, defensive tackle to Wisconsin. I think defensive tackle is a sneaky need for the Jets this offseason, specifically trying to find a, a run defender. Because when Foley Fadakasi walked last offseason, I was really hoping they would get a guy like Travis Jones in the draft or just DJ, maybe DJ Jones in, in free agency, somebody who can fill that, that one-tech role as a just a run stuffer up the middle, uh, who you know you don't need someone to be that Quinton Williams. You have that Quinton Williams. You needed a one tech run stuffer, and they didn't really get that. You had Sheldon Rankins, who had a really good year, but he's not a one tech guy. Neither is really Solomon Thomas or Nathan Shepard. They're both below average uh, backup defensive linemen, maybe average backup defensive linemen at best. They're both free agents. Rankins is a free agent. You don't have a lot of certainty on the defensive line. I would love to go after someone like Keanu Benton. Uh, he's maybe the best run defender in this class. He is a phenomenal fit as a one-tech nose tackle. And I do think a lot of the ways Wisconsin used him was kind of out of necessity. I think he can really fill a three-tech role if you want him to. He has that versatility. He has the athleticism, I think, to be a better pass rusher than he's shown. And he also had more sacks and pressures last year than he had at any other point in his career. So I think he's shown those improvements as a pass rusher. By all, by all accounts, he's impressed a lot at, at the Senior Bowl this week. I think he's your Foley Fadakasi replacement a year later. The Jets never got their Fadakasi replacement. They don't really have anyone on the roster to fill that one-tech. I'd love to get Keanu Benton, have him start alongside Quinn Williams at one tech. He could be a day two, even early day three pick, maybe probably more going to be day two at this point, but he's someone I love. I, I, I just, I think that's a really underrated need for the jets. And I think he really fits what they're looking for. If you can draft a starter on the D line on day two, it, a plus, but think, imagine the run defense when you have an alignment that could potentially have Quinn Williams, Keanu Benton, Michael Clemens, who's going to get better. And while it wasn't amazing last year, Jermaine Johnson can defend the run on the edge. Yeah. I, I mean, good, good luck. Yeah, and they, and they needed that too because, the, especially because you know, there's a lot of uncertainty at linebacker too. And if really, if their plan is to run it back with Mosley and and Quincy Williams or whoever, you're gonna need those those run stuffers up the middle because I don't trust those linebackers. I definitely don't trust the safeties right now. That was a major. That was an underrated need for the Jets this year. Is that run defense, especially when they took Quinn Williams off the field? When Quinn Williams was on the field, he masked a lot of the other issues with that interior defensive line. But when he was off the field, we saw it. Teams ran all over the Jets. So bring me Keanu Benton, fix that run defense. That's my number two guy. I'm glad that you brought up safeties because, as some listeners may have noticed by now, just the guys who physically stand out at the position. They always interest me because, I mean, you could, it's an old adage, but it's true. I mean, you can't teach height. You can't teach, you know, some of these things. If you're looking for a safety, why not go for a guy who's six foot four, 220 pounds, and hits like a freaking Mack truck? That being J.L. Skinner of Boise State, who has really stood out. I, believe, I mean, he was decleating people in some of the senior bowl highlights that are going around. I mean, just absolutely mauling people. Very versatile defender. Four interceptions this year, too, and two the previous year. So it's not just like he's in the box and thumping people, although he could if you wanted him to. What really intrigued me about Skinner is Douglas has a history of picking defensive backs like this who are kind of in the middle. I mean, Hamza Nasruddin, who was one of my draft crushes, I'm still 
hoping and praying that that Hamps is gonna gonna be the guy because I had like a third round grade on him. I mean, he was flying around. Now he kept getting hurt at Florida State. That was another problem, but a really good player that I like, Jamie and Sherwood over at Auburn, who's become more of a traditional linebacker for them. That really gives that that gives them the opportunity if they take Skinner. They could say, you know what? Let's just make him a linebacker. Let's make him a Quinn Williams replacement. Or let's make him a LaMarcus Joyner replacement. Or you know what? Let's just throw him out there. Let's almost have him in that money backer, Dayon Buchanan, Todd Bolsey role. And let's just see what he's got. I think versatility on day two and th- day three especially is going to be a trait that Douglas really looks at this year. You know who I get vibes from when I when I see JL Skinner. You know who I I my and I don't think he's nearly the same caliber prospect. Let, let me take a guess. Yeah, I go get it right. I got to win something. Uh, you win a round of applause. Okay, Kyle yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, I feel like others have said that Boom. too, but just like physically, he has that same build as Kyle Hamilton. He's what is he six four six whatever he is. He's a big dude, but he's a great athlete at the same time. Uh, I, I love the the idea of potentially moving him to linebacker and playing him in that role because he can do that. And the Ravens did that a little bit with Kyle Hamilton this year. They moved him around a lot in that defense specifically because they had Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark. So they were able to do that. Um, I do like JL Skinner. He's someone that if they want to, if the Jets want to go safety on day two, I would, I would love that. Thank you, Brian, with the, uh, the, the on YouTube with the, the round of applause for Mike. For getting, uh, for getting Kyle Hamilton. Very good. Good work. I had to, you know. To be fair, how many 6'4 safeties are in the league right now? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I wasn't exactly <laughs> – I was I was sort of expecting you to know where I was going with that. I think others have mentioned it too. Uh, so it's I mean, not he's like, a natural comp. And, again, Kyle Hamilton went 14. Yeah. And I don't think Skinner is the same caliber prospect, but physically no, speaking – No, but close. He reminds me. Yeah, he reminds me of Kyle Hamilton. The last guy that I have, I'm going to go back to offense. I'm going to get away from the trenches. We're going to go to a skill position player. And I know others have talked about this wide receiver being another potential need for the Jets. I really think the Jets could go wide receiver on day two, and it would make a ton of sense to me, especially if they move on from Corey Davis. Somebody who I don't know if he had the best senior bowl practice on day one, but he was one of the guys I was looking at going into the senior bowl. It's Rasheed Rice from, from SMU. 6'3", 205, excellent ball skills. The biggest concern for me with Rasheed Rice, and that a lot of people are going to make comparisons because he has great size. He is a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he's just one of those guys that can test the catch situations. He's he's phenomenal in that in those situations, and I think that's really what the Jets need. The big comparison Jets fans are going to make is to someone like Denzel Mims, who honestly is a similar prospect to Rasheed Rice. Yeah, you can do that with every Jets prospect, like every archetype of the guy who didn't work out. You can't, you can't draft like that. His his like archetype is is of a guy who kind of ran a limited route tree in, at, at SMU, comes from a, you know, a Texas school. Uh, to just throw that out there, very similar size and athleticism, and he had some concentration drop issues, which is literally Denzel Mims to a T. However. I'll, I'll push back on it and say that uh, Rasheed Rice is significantly better after the catch than Denzel Mims has ever been, and he has a lot more inside-outside versatility. SMU used him all over. They used him in the slot. They used him outside. He doesn't have to be that that X receiver that Denzel Mims is, and honestly, that's part of the reason why Denzel Mims really never has done anything with the Jets because he just was not a fit for what Michael Floor was looking for. He can only play that X position. And so bringing in Rasheed Rice is a dyna- – I think he'd be a dynamic number three or number four – at the, at the beginning of his career with the potential to develop into a genuine star. I, I really do see that star potential with him. I think with this wide receiver class, there's a lot of value on day two as opposed to day one. And Rasheed Rice is someone I'm really keeping an eye on. Especially if you're going to get rid of Davis, because then you probably want to draft an X receiver. Yes. For somebody that could at least have a similar skill set to Davis. 
And I definitely liked what I saw from Rice at SMU. The problem is he comes from – that was Rhett Lashley who was also at Miami. That is a wide open throw the ball a lot off. Like that's an offense that it is not difficult if you're an above average athlete to put up great numbers in. And yeah. again, not a not a power five conference, little nervous about some of the talent he faced. Now it was it was the AAC, which is the best of the group of five. I get that, but there are some concerns about Rasheed Rice. But if you just want a Corey Davis replacement, I think Corey Davis is actually about as accurate of a cop as you can get. I think Davis is a little bit bigger. Maybe got like an inch on him or like 10 pounds on him. But stylistically, extremely similar. I'd be very happy if he's a round two or round three pick with the Jets. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking of in the mold of like, I don't like, because another wide receiver that's making a lot of waves at the Senior Bowl is, is Tank Dell out of Houston. But I just don't see him as a good fit for the Jets. He's five foot eight. He's a phenomenal route runner, very electric and dynamic. But the, all, he's also lying because he is not 160 pounds. I, he's so small. He's, I mean, if he's 160 pounds. I'm like 230. Yeah, he, he's small. Uh, and that's the bit like they already have Elijah Moore is pretty small. Garrett Wilson's not like he's not tiny, but he's not like a, a physical go up and get a receiver. That's not his game. That's so flexible Burris. Yeah, exactly. So so replacing Corey Davis in that mold, I do I think Rice is even more athletic than Corey Davis. I think he's a better athlete than Corey Davis uh as well. But physically, yeah, he 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 reminds me a lot of Corey Davis. They're very similar in size and size and stature. I, I would like that replacement for Davis and I think he's someone that could play an earlier role and then potentially year two, year three be a genuine, really, really good player. And, and, you know, just him with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, that's a fantastic wide receiver trio. So that, I, I like, I like rice. I, he's, he's my number three guy. And with that, we are going to call time on our fourth episode ever. Thank you guys so much for watching the stream, for using the chat. We love you guys. Make sure to find us at Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, whatever you use to get your podcasts. Give us a download, drop us a five-star review, drive us up those charts. We could not be happier with the response we've gotten so far. Some of the loyal repeat guys, we are thrilled with how you guys are enjoying this podcast. Yeah, we, we really do appreciate it. And feel free to comment, like like Mike said, anytime. We will try and get to as many comments as possible. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we're live on all those every week. So make sure you just... You know, just, just interact with us. We, we love talking with you guys. We love talking Jets. That's why we do these live instead of recorded so we can interact with everybody. But yeah, I, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys watching. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Free. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download Jet Press podcast, like Mike said, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, you know, you know what to do. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Like all that stuff. We stream live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to come back next week. Thank you guys for listening. Every Wednesday there, buddy. What did I say? Tuesday. Oh, my God. What's that? (laughs) Every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. (laughs) What a great way to end the show. Now, Uh, that is how you do an an end read. (laughs) What's so great is I have that written down, and I literally read Tuesday. You give the viewers some mystery. That way they never know. (laughs) Yeah, I literally wrote down Wednesday, and I read Tuesday. So that's wonderful. But anyway, thank you guys for listening or watching whatever you're doing. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you next week, guys.
After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit cards provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.